This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, their lad's 10 yards offside. He's taking advantage of an offside position by coming and tackling... Um, Tyra Mings, um, you know, and they go through and score, and that's what I don't understand. I don't think there's anybody in this stadium apart from the officials who believe that should have been a goal. Um, you know, and after all the, the heroic defending we've been doing, you know, it's a, it's a really sorry way to, you know, concede a goal. Welcome to the My Own Man Said podcast. The Aston Villa podcast that has no idea what the offside rule is all about nowadays. Joining me to discuss that and more, oh, sorry, some amateur called Chris Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you, you do know you're meant to be silent when you record this show. Yeah. yeah. No, no background. Uh, no ambience. <laughs> and if that's music, we could get we could get done for it. No, it definitely. Uh, also, uh, also joining us uh, in that beautiful exotic island that is called Ireland, Northern Ireland, Mister Phil Shaw. Welcome back. Hello, hello. You sound like you're on Mastermind. <laughs> What's your special subject? <laughs> so, hello. Right. Start off. Start off. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm so what, psyched up and tense after that game. Come on, we've started, so we'll finish. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that game uh, in a little bit. Aston Villa have returned uh, from their uh, COVID-19 holiday. Most players, uh, thankfully, well, actually, we fielded a strong team as uh, we could probably put out. And uh, we'll get on to the actual game later. But it was good to uh, see everybody was back. I think uh, when Dean Smith mentioned that there was a player who said he was flying and then, you know, two days later he was in bed with uh, aches. I think that's probably Courtney House by the look of the uh, team sheet and also the fact that he was actually, uh, you know, in playing for the last few weeks uh, while Trezeguet, who uh, admitted on social media he had COVID, uh, obviously has been out uh, for a few weeks anyway, so he wasn't exactly flying, was yeah. he? But good to see uh, everybody seems to be uh, back and ready. And relatively fit and healthy, bar a slightly off the pace, Ross Barkley. Yeah. Right, coming up in the show, we'll catch up on the, uh, the latest Villa news, and then we'll get into uh, the three points where we discuss uh, salary caps that was uh, actually voted on in the championship uh we'll discuss briefly some of the things that popped up uh, in the meeting i was in with uh, premier league executive director bill bush and uh, a heartwarming story as well uh, 
over in Brazil. Then we'll get into uh, the Manchester City game at the Etihad. We will save the uh, overrated and underrated until uh, the podcast, which will be a match reaction uh, for the Newcastle game. So uh, let's get cracking into this. Uh, Villa news, uh, as we've just mentioned, uh, it looks like Villa have come through the COVID situation that they were in, where nine players tested positive amongst uh, 14 staff. Apparently there there might have been one or two others, but uh, apart from Courtney Hawes and Trez, it looks like everybody is uh, fit and well. That team sheet was pretty much bang on. I was expecting a few uh, people, let's say, weren't up to speed, but uh, grateful that uh, everybody came through. In other news, uh, Connor Horahan has switched to Swansea for the rest of the season. Apparently, uh, there was a few suitors after him once uh, it became known that he uh, wanted out on loan. Uh, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth uh, were up there. Swansea, second in the league. I think that's probably the best move he could have made, really. I think so, and he has to, he has to play, doesn't he? I mean, he's deserving of game time, so... Yeah, and it's it's a good wicket where you can actually uh, have some success and uh, stick another promotion to the Premier League and, uh, you know, notch it on your belt. Yeah, and Swansea are renowned for playing decent passing football as well. It's yeah, been I think it's going a good for years. for him. There was two ways to read into this. One was, uh, well, Hurahan wasn't actually getting in the team when Barkley was out with his hamstring. And now that Barkley was back, he certainly wasn't going to get in the team. So was he loaned out just because of that? Or should I say, were Villa happy for him to be loaned out because of that? Or was it because uh, this rumoured move from Marseille of Morgan uh, Sanson actually had some legs? Uh, We will soon find out. But it certainly is a sign that there may be a incoming midfielder in that respect would yeah you, you, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be sending Horahan out on loan I don't think you know if, if you if you didn't have some kind of replacement in the squad I wouldn't have thought yeah and you know whether you want to call that an upgrade the thing is we you know we're pretty we've got a thin bench especially now it's stretched out to nine players so just because he's not in the first team doesn't necessarily mean that he uh, didn't have a part to play this season yeah uh, also uh, Dean Smith picked up manager of the month for December the first one since Martin O'Neill it's basically been a decade of despair has it not it's been grim mate yes yeah <laughs> but uh, deserved I mean we no it was absolutely. Could, absolutely could say we've had a softish uh December fixture list but there was a lot in there and uh, normally uh, December's a bit of a sticky month for us so uh, well done Dean on that one I think we were just uh, I think I mentioned in Match Club we were just for real recognition across the football media we needed to probably beat either Chelsea or Manchester United to like real rubber stamp uh, ourselves as let's say European contenders and you know wake people up at the moment they just think we're you know we're having a good spell without really reading into too much but uh, it's a good sign uh, Smith winning that shows you we are definitely going in the right direction yes very much so also, after uh, the Youth Academy, with hardly any notice, put up a valiant display against Liverpool. A couple of those uh, chaps have gone out on loan. Uh, Dominic Revan, who captained the team, uh, the centre-back has moved to Weymouth, while Callum Rowe, who threaded through the pass for Louis Barry, has joined Hereford. Both are in the, the National League, I think... Uh, Hereford are in the National League North but it shows you straight away I mean Dominic Revan I think he's 20 Kellum Ray's 21 so these are the kind of players that really should have been knocking on the uh, first team door and as Perslow has said you know the, the future of the academy wants to be having talented 18 19 year olds uh, filling out the under 23s and uh, you know really putting themselves around once they get to the age of 20 21 they should be uh, making the grade 
And the fact that these are going like lower non-league shows you the kind of level that we're at at the moment. I think so, yeah. I mean, you, you look at you look at where our lads have been going on loan for the last few seasons, really, and it's it's not like we've had a player who's been sort of tearing it up in the championship. Yeah. You know, for example, you know, like when we had Tammy Abraham on loan or Axel Twanzabi and these kind of guys from Premier League sides. Admittedly, they're bigger Premier League sides, but nevertheless, Premier League sides loaning out players in the championship and they were tearing it up in some of the best players in that division we haven't we don't see anybody or even like at league one level really you, yeah. you don't you don't see any of our kids going wow i mean the last one we probably saw do that was probably Grealish, to be fair or someone like um callum o'hare yeah but uh let's let's see what happens uh the academy will i think we'll We'll see it fully uh, where we're going in about, let's say, two seasons. I, I would uh, that would be yeah, the f- think so. first proper marker. Well, you, you need to see more people like Jacob Ramsey and you know getting first team minutes at nineteen consistently now. Yeah, I mean, you got on against City, which was another show of faith, considering uh, how the game was poised at the time. Uh, also, uh, Villa ladies uh, also played Manchester City and took a seven nil beating, and they were six nil down at half time and. Having watched the highlights, they deserve to be because uh, that's some of the most shambolic defending I've ever seen. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It's it's not a case of, yeah, but City are like superior. It's like, well, you, you watch the highlights and get back to me. Right, on to the three points. First of all, uh, the issue of salary capping. There was uh, a motion for plans for 18 million salary cap in the championship next season. Uh, it seems to be dead in the water after half of the teams, I think, voted against it. Uh, who were who who was proposing this? Uh, well, the the league were proposing it themselves, but the the motion was torpedoed by uh, an eight page letter sent by basically Brentford, Bournemouth, and Norwich that um, just picked apart the proposals. And one of their finance directors claimed they have found thirty ways to cheat the salary cap. He gave the example of how a club buying a player could discreetly buy, sorry, pay the selling club a bigger transfer fee, and the selling club could then pay the player a termination bonus in lieu of any lower salary. So. There's yeah. so many ways. It just hasn't been, you know, fully thought out. And if they did implement it, um, basically it means that the the teams coming down from the Premier League are going to have an even bigger advantage every year over the teams that have had the problem. With, I mean, salary caps is something I think should have been in the Premier League, uh, you know, a la the NFL, just to and as another attempt to level the playing field. Unfortunately, it's something that you really needed when you formed the Premier League, as if it was like something new. That was when you should have brought it in. It's now gone so far down the line that it's hard, be very hard to implement such a scheme. But the fact that it's been thought about is, uh, I suppose, a positive in terms of uh, making it an actual competition again, this game of football. Although there's many other things that are ruining it, and we'll get onto those in a bit. Point number two, I had a, as part of the Football Supports Association uh, Premier League Network, we had a meeting, which was an unexpected meeting, normally... We uh, speak to the Premier League twice a season. This was an additional one because of the COVID situation. So uh, we met with over Zoom Executive Director Bill Bush, who detailed what their thinking is at the moment with the pandemic and how uh, like a vaccination transition season looks like. The main thing was, you know, if, if the season gets cut short, but uh, you know, also how uh, supporters returning is really being kicked back to uh, autumn now. It's something that uh, was on the table, let's say, last at the end of last year. But now it's a case of... Uh, 
if the season is cut short, what the situation is, and pretty much the Premier League are very much uh, focused on it ending on the pitch, so they don't want points per game or any other system like that. And they said there's, there's going to be a bit of a rough ride in, t- in terms of uh, fixture rearrangement, as Villa will experience, uh, considering we've just had a break of almost two weeks. Uh, also, there was talk about uh, the idea of curtailing goal celebrations as a way it was, it's more based on behavioral psychology so people watching games don't see don't think it's like one rule for the for footballers and one you know one rule for them and it also you know would be encouraging if you see the footballers social distancing even when they score that you know hopefully that would have a positive knock-on effect to society but uh, I speak uh, for, for almost half an hour on on the, the various details of this meeting on the, the bonus podcast off the record on the new uh, my old man said patreon podcast channel that is now set up for 2021 so uh, if you are a patron uh, do check that out if you're not then uh, join us and uh, then check it out all right number three moving over to brazil who, who's got the best portuguese pronunciations here chapa coenza chapa coenza yeah who you may remember as uh, the team that lost almost its entire first team squad this is like four years ago when they had that plane crash when uh were they flying to colombia weren't they for the uh copper sudamerica final yeah. against atletico nacional and 71 of the 77 people on board died so it you know, essentially took out a football club uh in a nutshell this is like the busby babes uh if you cast your mind back to what happened to manchester united and you know they ha- you have to carry on with a, a whole f- kind of fledgling team an upturn in fortunes for them. Uh, they managed to get uh, promotion back to Brazil's top division when uh, they beat, uh, is it Figueirense? Yep, 2-1, two, yep. 2-1 to guarantee uh, a top four place in Syria B and an immediate return to uh, the country's top division. So uh, their rebuilding is very much uh, going in the right direction. So uh, well done to them. Right, before we get into the uh, the trip to the Etihad, I uh, just want to say thank you very much to all the My Man Said patrons and uh, all the uh, the patrons who have, uh, after my recent messages, switched over to uh, the, all the UK based ones have switched over to to, uh pay in pounds so uh, we don't incur uh conversion costs so if you if you are uk based and you've been a patron for a while it's the last four months you could actually choose uh, if you signed up as a patron what currency to pay in euros dollars or pounds but if you've been a member longer than that just check that you are paying in the currency of your country to make sure you're not getting any bank charges but also thank you very much for uh the patrons who have actually uh, signed up and uh, paid annually to uh, support the podcast and website. Thank you very much to Daniel Hayfield, who I didn't know if I gave you a shout out uh, last episode. So this is a proper shout out. So thanks very much, Dan. Also, Matthew Allen, Tudor Richards, Omar Go, Luke Waymore, Hannah Ho Dalglish, Jags, who, if you're in Match Club, you'll know who Jags is. Philip Sale and Richard Saunders. Thanks also to Alex Rayner, Philip Crother, Andy Cooper and Craig Johnson for signing up and also for Mr. Wilson for upping his pledge. Uh, I'll do some more shout outs uh, during the podcast uh, on Newcastle. Uh, if you do sign up annually, you do save 15%, which is two months, but uh, any sign up is fine you get access to match club our uh, get together on match days 
and also the new Patreon-only podcast channel featuring exclusive shows, which will be regular. Me and Phil Shaw are working on one as we speak, Ooh. which is non-villa. Ooh, controversial. Do you need a break from the villa? Sail in style to the tropics with Ulysses de la Cruzes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, match reaction. When you saw the team sheet, I think that was the first win. It was just, right, we're, we're back at the races here. It's going to be a tough month. We've got four games in 10 days. We've got five games in 12 days if you want to stretch over to February as well. So the fact that everybody was uh, fit bar a couple of players who arguably aren't first-teamers anyway in the, in our strongest first 11, that was the first good sign. Then you've got the problems of we're going to be a bit rusty. But for the first hour or so, we were uh, it was a, a bit of a cat-and-mouse game, wasn't it? Because they could have had a bag full. We could have scored. It, it could have gone out either way, even though they were the dominant force uh, across the game in terms of possession. I mean, they ended up with 69%. Well, and, as they always know, they, do, though. They had 28 shots, and it was like the Alamo out stages. But we defended very well, and they also defended very well in terms of uh, cramping our style when we when we got them on the counter but you know we still were up there of about 11 shots and arguably if uh, McGinn didn't poo his pants a couple of times we we could have uh, snatched that game before uh, the controversialness kicked in yeah you yeah. think I mean to sort of fast forward through the game but you think with sort of 10 minutes to go just before the the opening goal you think this has almost got smash and grab written all over it because it just yeah. looks like it's one of those days for City where everything they touch just can't go in and Villa are I've done everything to keep the ball out of the net. And you think, well, we've got, we're getting a couple of chances here. We might get one more big one. Um, and at that point, you think we've missed a couple. You, you may be fanciest to take it. Yeah, we took in their biggest shots and they were, they were starting to run out of ideas, City, because City, City have this favoured attack of, you know, a low driven ball right across the six-yard box just looking to tap in. And we were ready for that nearly every time. It was either, They didn't have a striker. Yeah, mm-hmm. we cut it out really well. Mings or Konza and there's one instance in the second half where both of them slid in at the same time and the, you know Konza got it first but if he hadn't Mings would have got it there so the blocks that Konza and Mings put in were excellent most of the game 
as with both fullbacks, you know, both fullbacks got put under a lot of pressure from both sides, but they both stood their ground really well, especially Cash, who I thought was, you know, pretty isolated with, you know, with all due respect to Troy Ray for his, you know, his, his great touch and his little breakaway moment. But for a long time, certainly defensively, he was with all, you know, he was kind of a weak link and he left his, you know, he left his man a number of times and Cash was one-on-one or two-on-one sometimes. And he, you know, as always with Matty Cash, he dug in, stuck to the task really well. City started off without a recognised centre forward, which I think was serving as well because, I mean, the amount of blocks and everything we were getting, as as Phil was saying, they were putting that ball in. But I thought we were going to get undone because that ball, we were getting blocks in, clearing it, and the ball was coming out to like the edge of the 18 and they'd have someone there and that would be their pretty much the basis of most of the chances they had uh, especially in the first half but they're finishing you know let them down or martinez you know made the odd good save but we we seem to be taking the sting out of them and when we attack we attack with purpose and barkley coming back was something we definitely needed but he, he was a bit hesitant at times and you know wasn't striking the ball instinctively he was taking an extra touch what do you think of barkley's uh, return just a little a little bit sort of rusty which is is to be expected you know of all the team he hasn't played in a while and to throw him in straight away against city I and mean, i think smith would have known before that game that well it's going to be a tough one, but I need him to get through 90 minutes here or as close to it as possible because I need to get some you know, cliche minutes in the tank ahead of Newcastle, um, especially now you know we've obviously lost McGinn for that game. I would imagine El Ghazi will come in, Jack will go in the middle with Barkley. It becomes quite an easy reshuffle, but they are going to need Barkley to get going through the gears quite quickly here. You definitely, uh, if you had to pick the order of games uh... The, the this two games the right way around, coming it? back. Newcastle uh, on Saturday, this as the game to uh, get up to speed. I mean, we didn't really set this up, but Manchester City are the informed team. They were top of the form table in terms of the last six games. And they were looking uh, over the last few weeks as the team most likely to win the league. In that context, we're coming off a COVID break. So if you're getting uh, that shaken off that rust then certainly uh, you you would rather do it in this game in a game where you, even if you played at your best you wouldn't be guaranteed of getting anything from yeah. it i mean well, i mean they they'll have, they have definitely sharpened villa up defensively i think sort of attacking wise we we packed a bit of a punch but i i thought almost because we 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 bypassed the midfield at times. I actually thought in midfield we we never got a foothold in the game, which is always going to be difficult. Even though there's there's better teams than Villa that will go to Man City and won't get near the ball either. But I just thought we could never really get our foot on the ball, and it was almost when we just hit the ball into the channels and stretched Man City and pulled, um, especially Stones. Yeah, you know, I think Watkins sort of pulled him out of position on a number of occasions, and and actually Carl Walker earlier in the game before he went off, Watkins was causing him trouble just by pulling him out in and out of position, and then Barkley was running almost beyond Watkins on a couple of occasions. There was the one when he was through, wasn't it? He? he thought if he either picks yeah. the pasta grudish or whips it in the, the bottom corner. Was that the three on two? Yeah, three yeah. on two. Very frustrating. We had a, he had a, I think he had two, didn't he? Moments like that. And he yeah. just, just didn't quite look up to his usual standard. And that that shot, he was he was almost like trying to place it and be clever. It was like know, a back pass kind of though, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Curling it out of you know, the keeper's reach. But we're talking about a top keeper here and an earlier shot there with a bit more uh, mustard on it may have uh, had a bit more purchase. Similar to the Triore one a little bit later in the game. You know, Triore does all the hard work. It's a brilliant, brilliant move from back to front. And then he sort of gets into position. You think, go on, bury it. And we just... Was that the, when he did the fancy yeah, take? Yeah, the fancy yeah. touch takes takes De Bruyne out the game, turns his man really well. You think, go on then, go and finish it now. You've earned the right, done the hard work, go on. Same with, you know, the, the huge McGinn chance. He puts De Bruyne on his arse. Yeah, he does. It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought we kept De Bruyne pretty quiet. 
One thing I'd say, certainly in the first half, I think it was a bit more like the Animo in the second, was everything Man City were doing was in front of us for the most part, and we reacted when they got in behind. It was a little bit laboured from them, and I thought, as is often the case with them, there was always one pass too many. Um, was actually Man City could have either pulled the trigger or just got the ball in the box if they'd have had a traditional sort of number 10, number 9 striker. Um, they were almost trying to score these picture-book perfect goals. Phil... Villa's attacking intent, what did you think? Well, I mean, this is where like Barkley coming back into the team because he doesn't defer to anybody. That's that, that's the thing about Barkley. I mean, if mm-hmm. if Barkley's going to have a shot, he's going to have a shot, whether it was a weak one or the wrong opportunity or not. You know, he he's at, I mean, you can accuse the other players of maybe deferring to Jack or passing to Jack when Jack's maybe not in as good a position or shouldn't be passed to, but Barkley's, Barkley's not passing to anybody if he doesn't want to. You need that in the team. I mean, where Watkins maybe isn't greedy enough at times, Barkley's perhaps the opposite. So it's it's just getting the balance right of when, when to shoot and when to put it through. Because the one where he, he should have put it through to Jack, maybe he should have had a rattle. Then you just you just don't know. It's like I said, it's his first game back since the the, the Brighton couple of minutes he had at the start. So it'll come again. Yeah, sure. Uh, Aston Villa made ten blocks against City. Only Leeds uh, against Liverpool on the opening day have made more in the Premier League. I think Mings made. Six in total, and he was—he uh, was having a great game. Brilliant, they both were great. The, the back four in general, back four and keeper, had a crack. I mean, the, the save from Martinez as well early in the game, where it kind of his fl- foot, fl- yeah, floats yeah. to the back post. I mean, he's got no right saving that. Their guy should be burying that. And then the rebound, Cash and Mings Just, managed to yeah, dig it out on the edge out, of the six-yard box, and they had a man straight in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a brilliant moment in the first half as well, where uh, Sterling was running at target just towards the end of the first half, and target just, it was almost like Bobby Moore's tackle in uh, 1970, just mm. sort of knelt down on one knee, and Sterling went on, and the ball just stuck to target, and he just walked away with it. It was just, he just completely shut him yeah. down. Target was brilliant, actually, defensively. An issue uh, that's um, not totally happy about is when it comes to set pieces, especially set pieces around the box, we don't seem to have a, a go-to guy like other teams have that you know that you know one in three chances they're probably going to bury it. This time there seemed to be a bit of a discussion. It was either going to be Traore or uh, Douglas Louise. I mean, you're also thinking, you know, Barkley must be on that short list. El Ghazi sometimes steps up. He wasn't on the pitch. Grealish doesn't seem to be a free kick taker, even though he must have the uh, the ability. And Hurahan is now off in Swansea. So, you know, who, who do you give the free kick to? Do you think Villa should uh, almost like nominate a proper free kick taker? You almost don't want to have to. You want to, you want one player who you know is going to go. I'm taking this. This is my responsibility, and I back myself. You know, like for, for example, when Ronaldo's in the team, you know if they get free of kick course, anywhere, it's just, it's just his, isn't it? Or Messi or forty yards, he always he always takes it. But we seem we don't seem to have that, that clear conviction. It's almost like oh, it depends what uh, position we're in and uh, who's in the mood for it. You know, like if Grealish, uh, maybe it's not his forte, but Grealish does maybe not delegate so much and just say right, I'm taking it but you know you can see why he wouldn't but at Douglas Luiz showed he had a good shot in the early days when he wasn't very good for Villa and since he's been good and doing his duty he hasn't really uh, shown much in that uh, area this was the first game against City where he had a, a shot on target that I can remember since last yeah, season. Yeah, he had two or three good efforts, didn't he, actually, in the game? Yeah. No, but just what you're saying, I mean, the only time I've seen Jack take a free kick was against Wolves. That's the first time I've ever seen him hit a free kick mm-hmm. and he, he was he's pretty close. I mean, look at the difference a uh, award prize makes to a Southampton team. If Villa yeah. had a player that had that sort of delivery. And or that Madison sort of, at Leicester. And yeah. De, you know, De Bruyne had about three corners in the first 10 minutes and they were all absolutely on a postage stamp. 
So this is something that uh, is perhaps a weakness. Maybe that's uh, what the new guy, if they're thinking the new guy who's coming in might bring. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Jack takes the indirect free kicks, doesn't he? When there's one on the right-hand side, he tends to whip it in and pull it away from the goalkeeper. But in terms of a shot, you'd almost like to see him take responsibility on them. What I haven't brought to the table is some of our dire attempts at free kicks as well, which are, you know, wasteful. And when you're playing teams of this, you know, we're talking about the top four or so teams and you get set pieces, you've got to really uh, capitalise on these chances. Well, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to make use of any opportunity you get in their half. A because it's a chance to take a bit of you know pressure off your defence, and B you, you don't know when you're going to get to be back in their third. You, know, you have to be really efficient. So, what's the solution? Because I thought Barkley would be the main man or Grealish, but uh, here we are with you know with a very good opportunity. It's right on the edge of the box, and uh, you've got Louise or uh, Traore setting up for a left or right, keeping mm-hmm. the keeper guessing until the last minute. Unless maybe El Ghazi is the only one who fancies it, and he's not on the pitch mm-hmm. at the time. Well, he you... seems to be our penalty taker as well. So uh... I think the problem is you probably have uh, a squad of seven out of ten free kick takers, and you need yeah. a, you need a nine. And yeah. <laughs> We don't That's have co- one specialist, do we? And the one we no. did have, in theory, is now is now playing in the championship. Yeah. What are we going to do? <laughs> the keeper take it. He seems to do everything else pretty well. Let Martinez take it. Fancy a crack? Yeah, why not? Uh, first goal. Oh, God. <laughs> what a fucking shambles. Now, I've seen this situation where the linesman just flags it. When the player's running back, he flags. Yeah, and then now, it's up to the, it's up to the referee then. Yeah, and if, if, the, if the team has control of the ball, like, well, do you know what? Fine, if you want to play on, feel free. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it is a bit of, well, I could blow and give you a free kick, but actually you've got the ball now, and why stop play is one of the things. Uh, also, you've got VAR in the background, so you're thinking, well, you know, I didn't need to do anything here. But then Mings uh, fails to control it, what is the letter of the law here? The thing is, even if the letter of the law says that he's in the clear here, it sets up this loophole. And I think Michael Owen pointed it out. Why, you know, your striker doesn't have to run back to get onside. He, he can, you know, do a bit of sportsmanship there and just sneak in on the blind side. It's, I mean, where, where do you... It, no, everybody was, speech, like, everybody was speechless. I mean, if you pro- if you profit from that, you're thinking, well, <laughs> happy days. But when when you compare it to the decisions that have came before, it just it just makes the whole thing again look farcical. I mean, Wesley's heel being offside against Burnley last year, um, the ball was headed out by a Burnley defender. So does that mean that Wesley's sort of the phase of play is gone again? So there's a touch by a Burnley defender, yeah, or right, you know, Ollie yeah. Watkins's toe, or there's been so many decisions, haven't there, that have gone that way? And I know. The counter is always going to be now with Villa morally that oh well you you know you're only even in this division because of you know the goal line technology failing and that's the the, the downsides with it people will always play that moral card with Villa when it comes to but it's not it's decisions. not a moral card it's like one incident that happened forty minutes uh, into a game that was like how many games that followed that it was about ten games left in the season it didn't it didn't affect the season. There's a, there's a table, if you take away all the injustice on VAR decisions last season, Villa finished 15th. And this season, aren't we in the top four, if I remember rightly, in the, the VAR injustice column? It's ridiculous. Well, I think we'd have qualified for Europe already, uh, based <laughs> on uh, some of the fucking decisions we've had against yeah. us. Like I said, we should, I mean, we should have won the league this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, the, the huh. first one's farcical. The second one is one of those ones where it's frustrating. Under normal circumstances, it's very harsh on cash, but 
does it hit his hand? Yes. Can you see why it's given? As annoying as it is, yes. Because if that happens to you, you go, well, you've got to give it. Yeah. If it's in their box and it's not given, we're, we're going to go mental. We would go absolutely insane if that was not given as a penalty. So that's one way tribalism kind of dictates how and you it think is harsh about on him. Most people would say, well, yes, it's harsh. And what's he supposed to do with his hands? But that isn't his fault or the ref's fault. That's the rules. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's just... almost, it's like the old school, uh, before all this fucking grey area bullshit and reinterpretations came in over the last few seasons go back 20 years that's a handball that's a penalty just to rub salt in the wind um if you go watch the supercoppa game in, in italy uh juventus uh, why, why would you do that though phil well no this is if, if juventus against napoli the, the exact same scenario happened in that game and it was offside i mean you, you right. couldn't get you couldn't get a more similar scenario and it was given offside so it's just so. Wait, it, so you're talking about the handball. We're talking about the handball. Italian no refs are notoriously better than English. <laughs> you got to you got to keep up with the pace of this show, Phil. We've already we've already finished. We were talking about the offside about uh, half an hour ago. Uh, I haven't got over it yet, and I was doing a John Moss impression and keeping up with the game. <laughs> so sorry, talk us through this situation. There, there was a, an incident in the like I said in the Juventus and Napoli game where the, the balls played through. And uh, Juventus players coming from an offside position and just sort of nicks in and sort of tries to make a challenge against the Napoli defender. Referee straight away, yep, offside. You know, no arguments yeah. at all. It's exactly the same. It's it's the situation that's happened in football matches, sorry, since the dawn of time. And just because VAR has been brought in now, it's it's just how much more of a mess can you make of a situation again? I mean, again, I mean, the, the not necessarily the counter argument is, but the argument from the ref, and I'm sure the Premier League is going to be well. Mings has taken a touch. Therefore, in their eyes, it becomes a new phase of play. That's what they're. That's what they. That's how they'll justify it. I think Mings has taken a touch, and then he's fucked up. But there's an also, also a situation where he's so offside from his initial situation that Mings hasn't seen him. He's he doesn't know he's behind him. If he knew he was behind him, then. Uh, but they, but it's as I said, you know, at the start, linesmen would flag for that normally. And it's because, yeah, it's because Mings is taking the touch and it's like, well, you might as well let them play on what, you know, why are you stopping the game and being pedantic? But, you know, get to get to Mings, it's that situation. If he doesn't uh, miss a lapse of concentration, if he doesn't uh, miscue that, then that doesn't happen. It It is an Engels moment against Spurs. Yep. Yeah, it's frustrating. Considering, you know, when Man City have been peppering your goal and to lose to that goal is equally frustrating. Admittedly, you know, when Bernardo gets the ball, he's still got a little bit to do and he, let's be frank, absolutely rifles it past the keeper. It's a brilliant finish, but it's it doesn't it doesn't stop it being frustrating. In terms of uh, let's say Mings's overall performance, he's done all the hard hard work and some. Yeah. It undermines what is clo- probably close to a man of the match performance. But at the same time, uh it's happening every week. But the thing is we it's it's every week where we we're getting into the situation where we where we don't know the laws, and I'm not just talking about us on the podcast i'm talking about football per se that these things are being debated almost as if they were you know subjective uh, and you know we discussed this in match club about the rugby situation where it's almost like forensic they will go through a decision with complete transparency everything's shown on the screen they talk you back and then they always ask that question can you give me any reason why i that isn't a goal and then analyze it from there here it's all smoke and mirrors and uh it's arrogance isn't it it's the arrogance yeah. of football oh we, we couldn't possibly be wrong because we're the fa uh 
well, it's the football in, in you know in general, but it's also you know it's getting suspicious now. It's like, well, is there some kind of you know conspiracy here that uh, well, not even not a conspiracy, but a favoritism for sure because we see it all the bloody time. I mean, how many times do Manchester United need to get penalties? We know they train for it. As we, we would be lying that most uh, Premier League professionals don't know how to get a penalty. It's part of the game. I mean, McGinn got a free kick in that game. He played for it, but. The amount of these, you know, the amount of decisions that are almost like weird grey decisions, and and they're just hoping that time is the uh, the factor, and fans will forget about them. And there's enough tribalism where you'll get fans like Leeds fans were, you know, coming on and defending it as uh, it was onside, and he just, you know, he. You just say to, I said to one of them, uh, as, as Jags uh, from Match Club recommended, I tell one of the guys or reply to them, if Pep had any decency, he'd, he'd have let Villa walk in an equaliser. Huh. He, did, he didn't learn everything from Bielsa then, did he? <laughs> exactly. There was a few lessons he still had to learn. But, is you know, is that just hard luck? I mean... Manchester City win that game. I've got no problem with that because they created enough chances to have won that. A put, you know, a mixture of valiant defending and poor uh, finishing at the other end. Villa, poor finishing as well, or not very decisive finishing. Yeah, probably not decisive because it isn't like their keeper was pulling off amazing saves or we were hitting the woodwork or anything. No, I mean we had opportunities to pull a smash yeah. and grab here. Let's we get, cra- we you know, crafted that- some good positions, but we we never capitalised on. And I, to be honest, I don't think we deserve to win that game. But I yeah. don't think we did. I think we dug in enough to warrant getting a draw. Yeah, it's it's like you would have deserved a, a draw just from your endeavour there, yeah, and yeah, obviously you throw in the circumstances as well, and uh, you know it's a good story. Hopefully they just they take the positives from it and they take that momentum into the Newcastle game, which, let's be frank, the way Newcastle play, it will probably be close to roles reversed where we're going to have yeah. a hell of a lot of the ball. Phil, what's your positives from this game? Well, the, the positive is they need to use this like sense of injustice or anger and sort of keep keep fueling themselves for the next one and on to the next one and on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll, be, it'll be easy for them to think the whole world's against them and it's maybe... Maybe maybe Dean's um, comments in the match after or the after match thing is it is it's not the beginnings of a full on siege mentality, but it's just like another one. You know what more can you throw at us? You know, keep them coming. We'll we'll keep we'll keep going. It doesn't matter. Keep rocking on because they've clearly got character. They've shown that this season in some of their performances and the way they've nicked wins at Leicester, Wolves, and places like that. So I, I just hope that they um, a they get the recovery in quickly for Newcastle, which I'm sure they will, and they just so do you know what we've we've gone toe to toe with. Currently, the best team in the country. You know, could have deservedly got something from that game. And let's just throw the kitchen sink at Newcastle. I mean, Smith said on the actual game itself, I felt we were sloppy today. We looked leggy, but that's understandable. And we did show some signs of quality. There was an awful lot of team spirit, which is what we're about. We made it difficult for them got some blocks and made some terrific clearances, but unfortunately we've been undone by two unjust goals. As we said, uh, I, I can understand that, that the penalty, but uh, I think the, you know, the first incident adds a bit of injustice to the, the penalty because you're just thinking, you know, this is typical. You, you kind of bulk them in together, but it, it's, yeah, it's the way, uh, it's just the way you lose. It's, uh, we could have been two or three nil down at half time. We could have been a goal or two up at half time. But instead, we we have to lose the most painful way possible by 
dubious rules and uh, indecisive linesmen. Which is a shame, actually. I mean, just if you're a neutral, because actually it was a really, really good, entertaining game of football. Yeah. And for it to get decided in that manner is a real shame. I mean, you had added extras, like some of the Villa sliding blocks and sliding tackles because of the wet surface were uh, like Hollywood slide tackling. Yeah, they were great. And the fact that Villa, unlike some of the previous times we've gone to teams like that, we did have a bit of venom in our attack. I mean, I remember, you know, I think the game last year when we lost three, you know, there we, we hit the post, didn't we? Or did we hit the woodwork twice? We had, a, we, had a, we missed a load of chances there last year as well. And let's be frank, yeah. our record at the Etihad is absolutely, it's, it's about as bad as our record at Old Trafford. Manchester has not been a happy hunting ground filler in the last 20 years. So they scored that offside goal against us last season as well. And oh, lo and behold, um, out came the PGMOL again quickly to give another clarification. I mean, they may as well just set aside a designated press officer for clarifications in Villa games. It's a good good way to uh, close the podcast out, I think, David. Yeah, uh, just one thing, uh, one final. Uh, Tyron Mings said, never even heard of that rule. Just let players stand offside, then run back and tackle you. In hindsight, I should have cleared it 100%, but didn't even know that was the case. Nonsense is what Tyrone Ming says about the uh, situation. Fair enough. Yep, sums it up. Uh, going into the Newcastle game quickly, uh, I, th- I think, as, as Chris said, it will be roles reversed in terms of possession. I think because uh, Bruce is getting a bit of uh, pressure, there'll be a bit of a, a siege mentality, uh, park the bus, uh, this, this grind is, this, it out. Yeah, this is a get it done how, by any means necessary because this is another one of these games like Brighton, and Burnley, and there's been others that you just think, on form, you should go through these guys. Because let's be frank, we haven't won in four. Yeah, the slump, the 15-game slump is on. I just put it, yeah. Um, (laughs) Needs to be reversed. And I think because it's no one else plays over the weekend, we're the only game, you can get yourself, I think, back up to eighth or seventh, I think it's eighth. It'll just just, just calms everyone down and go, yeah, no, we're all right. We need need a couple, yeah, we we could do with winning a couple back-to-back, actually, to get us... Just back where we probably should be, really. Because the, yeah, the table cause... looks a bit its a bit glum, frankly, considering how well we've done, just because we're so far behind. And that's the thing. Uh, it's all right having games in hand, but once they start to mount up, it becomes it's tough mentally to maintain the levels. Uh, as Wigan, I always use this example, yeah. uh, Wigan got to the end of the season when they were in the relegation zone that year. They won the FA Cup. The last, let's say, the last quarter, they could literally beat anybody in the league. They were... They were going great guns under Martinez, but it was just they'd left it too late, and they were playing like games a couple of days before the FA Cup final, a couple of days after the FA Cup final, and they just couldn't keep the mental uh, the highs and lows in kind of drive and sharpness to uh, be up for every game. And once you've got too many games, it's, it is harder. Physically, is one thing. I think you can but, do that when you're Man City. Is you, can, another. you can make lots of changes, can't you? You can switch six, seven, eight players in and still be strong, but very few teams can do that. But yeah, but you'd, you'd always fancy the uh, the team with the points in the bank rather yep. than uh, the ones that have got like three or four games in hand. You know, one game in hand, no problem, fair enough, even two. But when you've got a few and you've got to play back-to-back, it is, uh, it is a harder situation. But anyway, it's good to have the big positive. Everybody is back, pretty much, and that's 90 minutes that we needed and uh, a, a real opportunity against Newcastle to uh, get this Villa ship sailing in the right direction. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? No, just just bring on the Newcastle game, really. What did Mourinho say? I, I cannot speak and, or I'll get in trouble. So leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, we could F and blind, but uh, we, we did that already before we started recording. Fucking prick. <laughs> 
Right, anyway, at least we have Aston Villa back in our lives. So this kind of lockdown of aimlessly wandering around the house, wondering what to do, there is now structure back. And all we need now is that joyous feeling of winning. So until our next win, which hopefully will be followed by the next podcast, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Whatever it is you want, I'll give it to you. Well, now that you mention it, there is something I would like. What? Your life. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.